Welcome back. Another episode of City Life Uncensored. Super pumped today. Uh, our guest today, Mikey Schmick, he and I go back all the way to the day that I graduated college. Well, yeah, technically probably the day I graduated college when we found myself drunk as hell peeing in a bar and meet my future boss. But we'll, we'll probably end up getting into that story a little bit. But uh, Mike is our chief investment officer, runs everything on the investment side in the multifamily space, manages our funds, you know, all the money that we've got into the marketplace, takes care of our investors. So super excited to have a fun conversation here today with Mike. Uh, Mike's background is pretty different than, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs that we've had on the show so far and probably will have in the future, given that, uh, yeah, he's worked a corporate job his whole life and kind of technically still is in that corporate role, although much more entrepreneurial in, in sense of kind of how we run city life. So excited, Mike, what's up, brother? Not much. How are you guys? Uh, just uh, living the dream. Welcome living the dream. Welcome. One thing about the corporate, you get to wear hoodies now. Yeah, I was always pushing the boundaries a little bit at my old job as well. So there was a little joke when I ran into our old general counsel the other day. He made the comment of, yeah, I see you're still uh, not exactly dressing the part always. I said, hey, you put a dress code in place that allowed me to be casual, and I was going to take advantage of that. So. It was, I mean, I remember back, right, it was always golf shirts for me. I never would wear the button downs. I hated the button downs. Always golf shirts. Anyways, man, with that being said, why don't you uh, give us a little flavor of what that whole world was like? What, what's, your, uh, what's your story, bro? Give us the come up, as I like to say. Happy to, happy to. So, I mean, being a Pittsburgh-based company, I'll probably just start about with the time where I moved to Pittsburgh. So I moved to Pittsburgh back in 2006. Hey, for everyone listening, this dude is a massive Bills fan and it's quite annoying these days with, although quarterback stinks when he's turning the ball over too much, even though he's incredible, but... So massive Bills fan. So we got a lot of a lot of ongoing disputes there, even though Steelers are his second favorite. Sorry, for, sorry for interrupting, but I will say to. that I'm in a weekly standing meeting on Monday mornings with Casey and Brian, and I think in the fall they're pretty certain what happened. I mean, even if they had no idea what happened in the Bills game, they can generally tell by my demeanor the next day. So um, hopefully, come mid February, we will be celebrating some Monday morning, but we'll see about. Tell your that. boy to stop turning the ball over. <laughs> so yeah, so I moved to Pittsburgh back in 2006. Uh, began my career with Ernst Young in public accounting. Um, I always thought my background was in finance. I enjoyed the finance realm much more than the accounting realm. But uh, coming out of college, I saw public accounting as a great means to get into corporate finance. Um, thinking that okay, do anywhere from four to eight years in public accounting should open doors for me. And, and quite frankly, that's what it did. So I did roughly six and a half years at Ernst and Young ultimately moved on to Heinz. Uh, why did you choose? Uh, Cause you didn't go to college in Pittsburgh, right? You went to Kent state. Correct. So why did you choose to move to Pittsburgh? Uh, it was an odd, there was a program that Ernst and Young offered back that 15, 16 years ago. Uh, that was trying to bring non-accounting majors into public accounting post Sarbanes-Oxley. So sorry for all the nerd talk there, but uh, basically PK, they, you liking the talk they, so they, <laughs> they wanted they wanted a more diverse background from their employees in terms of what their educational skill set was. Uh, so they offered me a role in this program. Uh, they offered me, I think, roughly seven or eight cities, and those were New York, Chicago. And then what we'll call kind of some of our more Rust Belt Midwest cities. So your Cincinnati's, your Columbus's, 
Pittsburgh, Buffalo. I did not want to go back to Buffalo at that point. So I was trying to think of where I wanted to go. And at that point, I didn't really know anyone in New York and Chicago. Fast forward six months, my sister moved to New York City. So that would have been interesting had I chose that. But I kind of just talked to my brother who had friends in a lot of these cities. And quite frankly, he said, of all my friends in all those cities, he said, the people that love their city the most are the folks from Pittsburgh. That's right, baby. I was like, all right, well, Very let's true. go ahead and let's give, let's give Pittsburgh a Beans try. So nation. came out here, interviewed once. They called me the next day and said, would you like the job in Pittsburgh? And that the rest is history. So came in here, did that for six and a half years. And um, as Casey mentioned, I was his first boss. And we'll get to the story of how, how we met. Nah, just, look, you can't tease. Just okay. get into it, right? Uh, like, uh, I think I think it's great because, uh, you know, Dayton, Obviously, we'll get into where you're at now in your career in, in with city life, et cetera. But I think it's important to know, to hear that story, right? My, my introduction into the real world is is through you in the in the pisser of, <laughs> where were we? Archie's in the south side. Yeah, so I had a uh, classy place. Very classy. I, I had a friend from grad school come in, and I don't know why we, I couldn't just wait for him at my apartment or whatever. But I was like, oh, just meet me at the bar that was two blocks from my apartment. <laughs> well, I know so, exactly why. <laughs> I, know, I just didn't feel like waiting anymore. So a friend from Notre Dame was coming in and he got into town and met me out at Archie's and there was, I'm going to say eight people in the bar, me and him, a group of three or four guys, and then maybe another group of two or three at the other end of the bar. And, and we're just hanging out there. And my friends, who's probably five foot eight and goes into the bathroom. Casey, as you all know, is probably six, three, six, four, somewhere in that range. Six, four, bro. Come on. And, uh, and, my friend comes out and he goes, I just met a guy in the bathroom. And I'm like, what? And I was like, this is odd. And he's like, well, you're going to want to meet him. And I was like, excuse me? And you're going to want to meet this guy. Meanwhile, Archie's bathroom is about the size of this table in front of us here. So he's like, yeah. Well, I was like, why? Because I mean, at this point, I'm a little shook. Like, what's going on here? He's like, well, the guy in there was lamenting that he had to start his career on Monday. And it was going to be his first day at work. And he wasn't ready for the real world. And he and I said, where are you working? And he said, Ernst and Young. He said, what's your client going to be? And I, I think he said he knew what client it was, which happened to be Consol Energy. And and my buddy goes, that's actually your boss is sitting right outside right now, right out at the bar. And so Casey came out a couple seconds later after washing his hands like a responsible human being. And uh, I probably didn't even do that. You again. I was trying to give him the benefit yeah. of the doubt. Why but uh, he came shirt. out and he, he was all... A little, oh, I was hammed up. Yeah, and you were, but you, you were also a little bit like, oh no, this is my boss. I'm about to start a professional career. I need to. I don't want him thinking. That Act I, normal. Just yeah. have a bunch of slurred words. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and, and so he came out and he's like, oh, I'm really worried. I'm, 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 I hope you're not offended. I'm at the. I'm like, my response to him was, you're not the one that has to be at work tomorrow. Like it's a Thursday night. You're off till Monday when you start your job. I have to be at work in the morning. So don't worry, man. It's going to be fine. And I think that that actually set the relationship off on a good note, I would say, because we got to know who the real person was. Like, yeah, we were going to go it's both work hard and college and kid. do what we needed like to Archie's do. Too, man? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You like those 25 cent wings? Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll finish the story out because what, probably two months later, I get to console on a Friday, which was our, you know, our client, which I was there pretty much year round. He was, he bounced around at the manager level, but as an A1 on the big client, you're there pretty much year round. I get to work on a Friday. He's like, what are you doing this weekend? Of course, I had nothing other than probably pretty much planning on partying all weekend at Southside. So he ended up having an extra ticket to the Pitt-Notre Dame game down at Notre Dame. He was a Notre Dame grad school graduate. 
and uh, so ended up taking me down to Notre Dame for the weekend. We just got I, I part. I know Mike's conservative, but I'll say it just shit faced, annihilated the whole weekend. Uh, two summers. Get out. Yeah. I don't know if I, I knew you went there. I wasn't sure if you actually like lived there yeah. for like a while. I didn't know you two lived summers. there either. Yeah, two summers. Pretty sweet. Yeah, the, uh, I think that would have actually been 10 years ago this month because I believe it was the game in 2012 when Notre Dame went undefeated and Notre Dame won in overtime. A ridiculous game. I was blacked out, but so I don't know. I've been to a few Pitt Notre Dame games out there, so I'm not entirely sure which one's which. I just remember but, I left and went to the bar at like, and then, yeah, the, yeah, because the second half was insane yeah, of that game. And I just remember going crazy in the bar with a bunch of people I didn't know. Oh, you laughed so you missed old. Yeah, I was. Well, you couldn't drink. I was sitting with a bunch of old people and you couldn't drink. Oh, Shout oh. out old people. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, I was like sobering up. I'm like, this is, I'm just going to the yeah, bar and getting crazy. You're already, yeah. You're already miserable. Yeah. yeah so but that anyways. was a, uh, it was a great time had by all. But yeah, so, okay, we'll keep fast forwarding then. To, I left uh, Ernst & Young, went to Heinz for a brief stint. Uh, coincidentally, I, knowing that I, I believe you, I was actually your mentor at that point. Uh, I'm not positive, but if nothing else, we had a great professional relationship. You were always, relationship, you were so. always some, maybe not formally, but always at one at EY, right? Cause, yeah. yeah. So I, I think I asked you to go to Las Vegas downtown for lunch, and we were yeah. gonna, I, want, I was going to let you I know think I was leaving. I think Las Vegas is closed now. Shout out Las Vegas. That place was amazing. It was, it was our really favorite good. place, remember? Yeah. And uh, so Casey actually, I told Casey I was leaving for Heinz and just kind of laughed. And he goes, it's kind of funny. I actually am about to put in my notice to go there as well. Different departments, unbeknownst to the two of us, uh, went there. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, they got acquired two weeks after I got there. And quite frankly, it just wasn't going to be the position that I was expecting. So uh, just based on how how I saw the writing on the wall, I half jokingly claim I tried to spend my entire summer getting fired because of the severance they were offering post acquisition. They actually promoted me and were shocked you, at what I was doing. Even, you couldn't even succeed at getting fired. Yeah, you got not, a promotion trying to get yeah, fired. It was not <laughs> impressive. I don't know if I'm proud or not proud of that, but that's how it worked out. And, uh, and, and so then I, it actually was good because then people in from Ernst Young and from prior clients were pretty certain and aware that, wasn't overly thrilled with where things were going. So it helped kind of fast forward my move into the corporate finance world. So um, my main client being Kitsel Energy offered me a role as like head of corporate planning. So I took that role as a manager of corporate planning and then kind of parlayed that into more of a capital markets and finance treasury role over the years, ultimately on the CNX resources, which is the natural gas side. After we spun out the coal business, did a handful of debt offerings, had a, uh, a small IPO of an MLP and then did a few secured uh, financing transactions. So that's what led me to ultimately ending up at City Life, uh, just continuing to stay in touch with Casey, met Brian once or twice, met TJ while running with Casey and Brian, or I'm sorry, with Casey and TJ one time. I don't think Brian was on the run that day. No. But, uh, I hate running. I don't know why I ever agreed to do that stuff with TJ. Yeah, it guy so forces me to do some weird <laughs> shit. And, and so I really liked what I saw from a people and culture perspective. And and then sometime in the summer of 2021, Casey and I just started to have more formal conversations. And then that led to me uh, coming aboard in August of 21, taking a role uh, with the title of Chief Investment Officer, which after a couple different uh, different roles throughout the course of the first 12 months has really landed heavily into investor relations, 
capital raise, multifamily deals, handling those, and then also the CNX capital, CNX lending side of the business. What? The CNX? Oh, so do, we, do we have like some different... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> city life capital, should, city should life that, Should we dub it CNX? <laughs> I, was like moving, I was ready in my head thinking about how to move on. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Did he just say CNX? I, I actually... I was going to ask the question later. I actually... And I, I have on the board, next is like embarrassing moments, regrets. Is that one? That, no. <laughs> That's not even near the top of the list. Oh, okay. Give it, so, all right. Let's get in that a little bit, right? Like, you know, you're a, you're a naturally conservative person when it just comes to everything, right? And what's good, because you manage our money, and I really like that. We're both CPAs by trade, right? But, like, you can clearly get embarrassed based on knowing all of that. So give us give us something good along the way, right, in your corporate world of, what, 15, whatever amount of years it was. It was just like, whoa. I'm sure there's... Uh, and it's, and, and you got you to, gotta, the podcast is City Life Uncensored, so you can't, like... Give us some garbage. Give us something good. Okay. I don't know if this is really embarrassing, but it's probably one of the more noteworthy moments where I I had shot off an email to a senior VP that was less than friendly. This is when you were at Consol CNX? Yes. Okay. I was going to leave that part out just to, to leave the... Uh, Shout out senior VP at CNX. <laughs> he's no longer there. Okay. He's no longer there, but give us, give us a listen. And... Uh, <laughs> And I got called out Share on the email. I got called out some out on something in a file, like a calculation that I had nothing to do with. Like it was something I didn't create, but I, I was the one who will say, I theoretically managed the file. And so I sent an email like, "Well, this isn't my file, so I can't really speak to that," which was true. But I also could have definitely put it in a much better tone, or at least addressed it directly, as opposed to the old reply all button. And let's just say my boss did not appreciate that. And he proceeded to. That's weak. I was, I was just going to say, I mean, so that just shows how conservative Mike is. We, well, we didn't even let him finish. That's all. Well, it just led to hit. The I got living with in somebody the, in an email. Uh, the building was in the shape of a C. And I was at one top corner. He was at the other corner. So he had to go all the way around to come find my office. He stopped in everyone's office looking for me along the way. And like he, he, I apparently slammed it down on someone's table. Like, what's this email? And they're like, I, to his boss and his boss, like, I haven't seen this, so I can't react to this. And it, and he said, look, he says he doesn't owns it, doesn't own it. And he's like, well, you know what? He fucking owns it now. And then sprinted out to the next office to find me. I knew he was coming for me. So I just went and hid downstairs for like an hour or two. And my punishment that day was I had to spend the afternoon in his office working on things with him. So, so I'll give a better quick story and not to steal from your incredibly embarrassing moment that you just gave us. <laughs> so, it's almost embarrassing. A little bit of the difference of the two. I'll throw out an embarrassing moment similar to back in the day of working with Mike. He, th he would throw a Halloween party every year for Ernst and Young. Well, it was my first year. I lived in the South side. Mike lived in the South side. We became friends quickly. And the day of his Halloween party, for whatever reason, he came over. I mean, just we were hanging out during the day at my house, and we were drinking, I think, Four loco, right? Or I actually can tell you with a straight face, there aren't many things that I have not drank, but I never drank a Four loco because I knew myself that I was like. <laughs> Me and my boy Big Joe were. That's <laughs> you and Big Joe were well into the Four loco. Watched. I just, I know myself, and I'm like, that's not what I need because next thing you know, I'd be trying to, like, a four loco and yeah. that would be less than ideal for my heart 
So I was actually that year for Halloween, um, Ben Roethlisberger. So my costume consisted <laughs> of wearing a Ben jersey with a blow-up sex doll. Obviously true. blacked out before I even got to the Ernst Young party that was at Mike's house, which I felt more comfortable because I was at his house and we had a relationship, but there were partners there and people I didn't know. Anyways, I shut long story short. I am pretty sure within 10 or 15 minutes, I was completely kicked out of the party and I don't remember any of it. Obviously I think I said it may be in your best interest not to be here. And again, that's, it wasn't like this was like a, like a conservative party whatsoever. I mean, it was, that was a tough hurdle to clear to get to the point where someone yeah. had to say, well, I'm pretty, it's time to go. I, I remember the next week at work, someone was telling me I pretty much had the, the, uh, the blow up doll in like partner's faces. <laughs> I think that was the year my senior manager had just had a baby and his name was Dom. So shout out Dom. What up Dom? So he, Dom I believe, and sexually I remember, harassed by Casey. But I believe his son's first son was Dom as well. And so I actually dressed as baby Dom for that Halloween party. So I was in a diaper and like a bonnet and like little bib. So it's not like I was exactly like in a, in a wonderful outfit to be around uh, in a prof- quasi-professional setting. But. Yeah, that was definitely a hard week of work that next week because everybody knew who I was at that point as the asshole that played with sex dolls at corporate parties anyway Actually, well why don't you uh, mention how your uh your current bosses drew on you when you passed out drunk Ooh. In, so they the actually, kentucky derby so i i believe they claimed they did not so this is an admission of guilt on your part no comment okay uh, i did not i filmed it yeah <laughs> the three of us plus uh a business partner of ours. You can give the shout out to Danny boy, yeah. Danny C. Uh, we went down to the Kentucky Derby and I think it was Friday night or was he? No, it was, I think Dan was episode two, by the way. So you can all go check out Dan's episode as well. Was it, was. it Thursday night or Friday night that I think like it was Thursday night. We were just back drinking in someone's room after going to the bar. It's all blur. Yeah. Cause no, we had not gone to the Oaks yet. So that was definitely <clears throat> Thursday night. And, uh, I can't speak to it too much because obviously I was asleep, but I believe I woke up. There was a good bit of writing on my hands, on each of my knuckles. I think they were nice enough not to write on my face, even though I believe in the video there was some some peer pressure to I dare you to, I dare you to, but they did not. Last that derby was a hell of still trip. images to the uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, we got to get that on there, right? The, the cut-ins to the... Or maybe just us looking... To the derby Dapper trip, as hell in our <laughs> or the one of the seats. days where I was sitting on the, underneath on the ground at the, on a pole for like an hour and a half because I was so dehydrated and couldn't move. <laughs> Sounds about right. We'll get one of them on there. Anyways, all right. So corporate America, your whole damn life, right? Super traditional. Went that route. Master's degree. Blah blah blah. Conversations being had about joining city life. Obviously, you know, in your eyes, perceived risk, big time, right? Like. What was that like for you transitioning into more of the entrepreneurial world? And quite frankly, right, and we had the conversation of of taking a job that ultimately is a direct report and works for who used to be your direct report and worked for you and was a pretty pretty big, you know, as, as a young young man out of college, disaster when it came to having fun. But obviously I had a brain. But uh, yeah. what, what was that like for you from a risk and career change and all of that? And, and maybe even speak to now a little bit of the fact that 
you've probably been in like five or six roles in the last year, some of you being here as we continue to move to try to figure out what was best here for you, right? Like, what was all that like? Yeah, so I, I think we'll go back to my interview with you, which was very, very formal on the boat, drinking a White Claw. And uh, <laughs> Shout and out I, City Life's boat. The one formal question you had was, are you comfortable with me being your boss, given that I used to be your boss? And my reaction then and now still is you're the one who put your ass on the line, took the risk, created this company, built this thing with Brian from scratch. So no, I had no problem with it because I mean, now if it was us working together from day one and you said, I'm your boss. I'd be like, okay, well, this seems a little odd, but no, you'd put two and a half years of sweat <laughs> equity into this plus your own capital, not just sweat equity, but actual financial equity into this to try to build this. So to that end, I was comfortable with it. Um, moving from like a more corporate to entrepreneurial role was definitely different. I mean, and originally it was, okay, got to learn the business, got to understand the business. And then where can I step in? And I don't want to say put band-aids on things, but where could I make quick hits, quick wins, even if it wasn't like getting it to perfection, just trying to make some progress. And that took some time. I think we all would be the first to admit that. Um, but at the same time, one thing I did learn about myself is I'm not necessarily an entrepreneur. Like I am who I am. Like I, I'm very good at some things. I'm never going to be the visionary type guy. Uh, but at the same time, if I know which way I'm supposed to be rowing, I'm sure as hell going to row and I'm going to row there quickly and as efficiently as possible. So that's been the biggest thing for me. Um, it's just been a change. I think ultimately we've found a position and a, and a role. And I think it's not terribly far off from maybe where we set when we, when I landed back in August of 2021, it's probably veered off course a couple of times as to, okay, let's try and see if this is something we should do. And we quickly realize, okay, you're not perfect for that, but Hey, it's working, but let's just trans, let's kind of get you back on course. So I think that's been the biggest thing. Yeah. Me. Right. It was, it was, it was a big combination for us of trying to figure out the skill set what we need now compared to what we need in the future and how do we plug gaps in the meantime with yep. a high caliber corporate good brain. Right. And as we did that, we would plug gaps, but we realized like it's just some putty in a gap. We didn't really actually fix the hole in the wall. Mm -hmm. And so how do we kind of pull that putty back out and fix the hole in the wall? And then where does that putty go next? Right. And I'm proud that we did all of that. And I think finally we're finding a good home for you. And now you're really starting to develop in there because we would have conversations of, candid conversations of what's next because you know this isn't ultimately where we think we're going to go with this because of one reason or another of of your skill set and and desires and wants because i continue to always believe right chase our happiness is is what i say but when you really dive into that it's if i can come to work every day and do something that's fulfilling to me i'm going to enjoy that and do a much better job and when you're not getting that fulfillment you're not going to continue to do a good job because it continues to be hard so like you know what I mean? Like that, that was one of those things we did. So how are you enjoying the role now? Like, cause it's, it's, it's the same, but it's quite very different than anything yeah. oh, you've ever yeah. done. Yeah. It's 100% different. And it, I, I do very much enjoy it. It's, as you know, I, I'm a big, uh, big relationship person and that's a, a key part of the role I've been put in now. Uh, while also sometimes I want to just tell you to shut up because you're talking too much, Mister Relationship Man. Not on the podcast. Talk. Continue to talk. But. <laughs> brought him well, on to talk. Well, I'll see. <laughs> What's that? So we brought him on to talk. 
Yeah, come on and talk. No, shut the hell up. No. It's, uh, it, it, well, also the relationship, well, also the, the strong financial management side I've got and finding and kind of almost threading that needle and finding this role that, okay, in the interplay between raising capital, multifamily deals, those come together. Uh, lending business, relationship side, those come together. So truly trying to bring those all facets together. I think it's been... I don't remember the exact question, to be honest, but yeah, I think, I think it's key, right? Because it is, you're really good at the relationship side, but you have the financial acumen to be able to have the conversations to create the trust. People really only want to work with people they know, like, and trust at the end of the day, especially when it's their hard earned cash that they're putting into certain things. And I think that's provided you the ability, in my opinion, to really start to figure out what's making you happy, what you want to do, how to get motivated, how to, you know, dive into what you're really doing. Yeah. And I, Good. I mean, you said it perfectly. I mean, yeah. that's been, it's been, there's been a learning curve, but I think that's to be expected. But at the same time, I, I think where we're driving right now is fantastic. And I think we're only going to continue to grow. I mean, uh, we're, we're going out today with one of our first, well, the first of our syndicated offerings. Yeah. So we're doing our first syndication and that that's launching today. Uh, my apologies to any unknown uh, folks listening to this, it will not be hitting your desk, at least initially, uh, as we go to look to market this Always deal. getting into legal shit. Uh, I was going to say, why not? <laughs> we know now. We'll, we'll go into it later. I know. <laughs> but no, it, it, we're very excited. It's the first of many. Um, <clears throat> we've proven out this business model internally through internal acquisitions and multifamilies. And now we're taking it to try and share some of that equity upside with uh, the investing public. So I think it's, I mean, quite frankly, when you talked to me a year and a half ago, and probably initially is when it got serious about coming to City Life, you kept saying, oh, syndications, that's where, that's definitely one of the places we can, where you're going to be critical to the company's success going forward. And I think we're, we're finally there. And I think it's been the right progression to get there, not just from a me perspective, but from a company perspective. What's it like, you know, and you can chime into this too once he's done, but I'm really curious from your point of view, having grown up in corporate world with you, quite frankly, right? Bouncing around, but knowing you've never worked with anyone in your life anywhere near what it's like working with Brian until you got to city life. And I know that for a fact because <laughs> I came from that world as well. Like how has that adjustment been for you working with Brian? I know you guys don't work together every day considering the roles that you have, but like that's had to been different for you, right? And just eye-opening, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, just because you think about, I mean, the companies I've worked for are all sizable, whether they're publicly traded or one of the largest well, big four accounting firms in the entire world where you figure 100,000 plus employees, I don't even know what the count was. I think it was like 130 back when I worked there to a, an entity that is roughly 50 to 65 people, depending on how you, how you, shake it out in terms of agents versus not including the agents, but on the brokerage side, but to go there, when you have a hundred thousand plus organization, the directive and the visions coming from someone you're never even going to meet. You come to this entity and even at smaller entities like CNX, yeah, the visions coming from folks I worked with on a day in and day out basis, but it's more of, okay, you're, you're looking at shareholders and having to, work to that fiduciary duty. Yes, we have to work to providing fiduciary duty to our employees, our investors, so on and so forth. But like, it's just 
mind blowing to see the ideas that come from Brian. I mean, and that's why I looked at him when I said, I'm not going to be the visionary guy. That's not me. I've quickly learned that. And it's, he, he knows the ins and outs of the real estate industry in Pittsburgh. He knows the ins and outs of certain deals and things like that. Things I can't even begin to say I have the skill set of because I sure don't. So it's and probably don't even want right when it's certain to a certain yeah extent. to a certain extent. Like yeah. I mean, there's things I wish I was stronger at, but at the same time, it's like if I have that resource available to me, why waste my time trying to get there when I could go to him and he's going to have the answer like that, like that, like that. So I think to me, it's been definitely different because you where that vision's come from has been like historically for me was down through multiple layers or was coming from a different. Just coming of, through a financial plan probably back yeah, in the or day even, for you. or even coming through a different or didn't really cadence. affect you yeah but then to come here and and see that it's it's been eye-opening and it's been great i think the one thing that I, I an example i tend to use is we've built out through the eos process just our core values core purpose like i think all of us and no offense to brian because he hasn't ever had shout out traction but uh you you've seen some of those things get implemented or rolled out at entities in the past where we've worked or where I've worked, or you may have seen through some of your clients and in public accounting or through consulting. And there just is no, not to use the term, but there, it just doesn't gain traction with the employee base. And it's because it's almost like there's a disconnect between what the lower level individuals are feeling versus the executive management at those entities. Well, you come to city life and yes, you have, the owners of the company, but everybody's working hand in hand every day. There's not a day that one of the two of you couldn't be working with any one of our employees directly. And you've built a culture through hiring, through promotion, through your what you've done over the last three and a half years that embodies those values and that purpose. So when we went through the formal process of creating those, it, I don't want to say it wasn't hard. It wasn't easy, but it was very natural. Like it was okay. We just needed to take the time and our implementer and like the, those, uh, the consultant assisting us almost just had to refocus us from time to time. It, but it was very easy to come back and focus in on those four core values because it's truly what we live every day. And those are driven by yourselves and then everyone you've brought into the entity since then. So it's, it's just a, what I'm trying to go with this is something that could be, high level and people just don't care about. I think the people in our organization really do care and they try and embody those values and purpose every day. I don't even have to ask you the freaking, uh, I didn't say the F word. Let's go. That is good. We're trying to avoid the F word. That's the only word we're not going to say damn crap, shit, poop. Anyway, I don't even have to ask about the culture comment anymore. You just kind of nailed it, right? Like from an overall culture standpoint, but maybe we'll get into that. BK, I really want to throw it over to you here because Obviously, working with, with Schmitty here has been very different for you as well because, you know, I have that entrepreneurial risk side. I was able to kind of bridge that gap quickly for us, yeah. right? We have other people, but really bringing in a true corporate man into what we'll call it a point with where we're at is a little bit of the corporate world and that mix for him and you. What was that like for you? Uh, it was different in general. Like, I think each each time we hired, like anybody, like with you and even Steph, Anyone who's like deep into the numbers and stuff, like I'm, I don't do that. Like I don't make tons of spreadsheets. To me, it's fascinating. I used to watch you do them, but yeah, he, you still, or maybe not still, because you don't do numbers anymore. Well, you're backing him a little bit, but he would literally used to send me stuff typed in Word, a bunch of numbers. Like, what the hell is this, dude? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, whenever 
you're I go in to talk to you, you got three or four screens up and just a disaster on a screen. And I'm looking at it. Yeah, like, you are so sloppy in your office too. <laughs> but I look at it, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna ask you something. I don't know how long this is actually gonna take because of all these screens, and I don't know like like what your process is. And I think uh part of like you trying to like gain your footing, which we were talking about before was probably some of that is you probably had pretty clear, pretty clear what you were supposed to do on a daily basis or what you're working towards. You didn't have to build out everything and you didn't have somebody like me walking in your office like, hey, we're buying so-and-so, we're buying these six properties. This is- Can we make money is, on it? <laughs> yeah, can we make money on it? This is the plan behind it. All right, cool. Closings in 30 days, here they go. Contracts pretty much. And you're like, yeah, I'll send you back some some sheets on it. But before you know it, there's six more properties under contract doing it again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think for me, right, the the biggest challenge it's for me that we face over, I mean, we face tons of challenges. That's our job to put out, you know, deal with problems, but like, and it still continues to be that issue of bridging the gap between the way we think entrepreneurial and getting decisions and answers quickly to the corporate America world, which we did bring in a lot of corporate people. And how do we bridge that gap of, I don't need 19,000 things. I need it short. And I've done a pretty good job, I think, of being able to bridge that gap. But it is so challenging because I'm sometimes in my, mentally over here, but I just want answers. I don't want to be in spreadsheets anymore. And you and Jeff and Steph, you guys are extremely methodical coming from the corporate world and how to, you know, and I've learned over the last three years how to bridge the gap between that entrepreneurial way of how we do business and the corporate way that we used to think is corporate of it needs to be all of this. And we're just going to take us two weeks to make any decision. Like, no guys, we've got two minutes to make a decision. Where are we at? You know what I mean? So, um, how has the culture been able to help you though? Like, you know, and, and quite frankly, I think you're a huge piece of our culture, right? Leroy, you know, you're a, a dog where, you know, best friends, you two are obsessed with each other. He's at the office all the time, kind of our office dog now, right? Big piece. And, and I know all the time you always used to say what you want to be the, what when you get older, for our company, the chief uh, culture officer or whatever it is, <laughs> you and TJ are always fighting about that, chief right? Mascot. So you, you you take a big you take a big role in trying to make sure the culture is good. You have a real sense of um, care and like passion for making sure people. You're always texting me like random stuff to like think about something like, hey, Texas person or someone's whatever. So what's that mean to you? And then how do you believe you've done con contributing to what you know we ultimately want within our culture? Yeah, I think so. The first, I mean, it's pretty easy to, to me, actually. So if you think about the first piece of our core purpose. Oh, it's pretty easy. Is build, well, <laughs> is build so happiness. And that's something that we've stated a bunch. You've stated a bunch. Brian stated a bunch. But, and you've even said earlier in the podcast, you mentioned, yeah, happiness, going to work, being fulfilled. And really having a, call, a corporate culture or a workplace culture that is, okay, yeah, get our shit done take extreme ownership. And then you have uh, also in there just promoting happiness amongst the employee base. And the folks, when they come to work and are happy, are so much more productive. And quite frankly, I've always kind of had a mantra of life's too short to be anything but happy. Now I get there's things in life we all have to do that we don't really want to do. But if we can try and really focus in on those things that make us happy on a day-to-day -day basis or from year to year, I think it's going to be great. Like our, our time on earth is going to be relatively short in terms of the grand scheme of things. So enjoy yourself, have fun, work hard, do what you need to do. But if you can come in and make other people's lives around you better, that's great. So that's kind of where 
I, I come into this and you you mentioned Leroy. Yes, Leroy is my dog. He comes in. Don't they have an awesome. Instagram? He has an Instagram handle, doesn't he? He does. I, <laughs> I don't know if I know it that well. I think it's like something. Well, I'm going to have to ask you at the end of this of uh, how we get a hold of you. You're going to accidentally say Leroy's Instagram Leroy. handle. CNX Capital and Leroy's Instagram <laughs> handle, which is completely wrong. Uh, but no, he. Um, so, like I come into work some days and if he's not with me, like if he goes to daycare or whatever, everyone's like, where's Leroy? I'm like, you guys know I'm here too. Right. So like ever, no one's excited to see me, which is fine. They're excited to see him. Now he gets excited for five minutes and then sleeps the rest of the day, which is great. But it's just see, a, it's a nice, it, it's a, an incredible perk for me one, but at the same time, I think it just is an incredible perk for everybody because they get the, like if they, sometimes people just come in and say hi to him for two minutes in my office and walk Mike. out. I'm like, going on here. i think some people are just as happy to see you as the dog maybe i haven't found one yet. you're right no so from a culture standpoint i think casey you hit the nail on the head you've been awesome like completely awesome everything you do has been completely genuine and i, I couldn't tell you how many times i looked outside like at the old office and you're holding doors and carrying boxes of donuts across the street i was like man there goes our chief investment officer carrying <laughs> boxes of donuts in got the dog and but you're always you're always there to help other people and always going out of your way. If you see anybody doing anything, you help them, you answer questions, you stay late to do that. You basically you're purely genuine. I could tell you're not doing it just because of like self-interest or anything like that. You really want to help people. So anytime we have an event and anything like that, I think you're you're always like a big part of that because everyone knows you're gonna be there. You're gonna have a smile on your face. Leroy's likely gonna be there. <laughs> And it's not, it's been cool to see. I appreciate that. I think, I think the big piece to, to really kind of take away from that is ultimately is what is the real value that we're adding to organization? Example being, you know, as we put you as plugging in certain areas, maybe the value wasn't all the way there from, from a standpoint of how do we evaluate all of our employees as, at the ownership level with the senior executive level between Brian and I, but it was, Hey, there's so many other things that are progressing. There's so much other you know, intangible value that's being added. And I think a lot of companies, then a lot of employees don't think about that. How can you add, like, you know, you'll be the first to admit, hey, I was struggling trying to learn how to underwrite a single family deal, for instance, you were never in real estate, but you're adding so much value in other areas. And that's what we would always talk about. Like, hey, look, like, of course, he's probably making too much money coming from corporate America to, to taking 26 hours to underwrite a single family deal, which takes us five minutes. However, there's all these other that things and we're progressing. It is exaggeration, but you get my point, right? Like how are you as an employee, right? Adding so much more value to the organization, to the people around you to make the place a better place to be. And as an employer, you have to be evaluating all of that that goes into the business and where you want to be long-term and where you want to be hitting those goals. So, um, you know, that's what we always had in the back of our head as we continue to try to figure out how to kind of move you into, um, you know, what you do now. Right. And so to kind of, to kind of pivot into that, like, how do you, from the cultural, from now, you know, learning real estate, now you're getting much better at it. You're handling the multifamily. So how have you learned how to really evaluate and do a good job on the multifamily stuff we're doing at the same time of building trust and raising money for our, you know, for our fund, as well as for our multifamily deals? Like what's that been like? Not to take a cop out answer, but it's really been experience having done it first Probably the first true one that came to fruition was Melvin Hills, Melvin Court, uh, back Q4 of 21. And then we've gone to- Do we Q call Melvin Court or Melvin Hills? I think we call it Melvin Court, but we named Melvin the entity Court. Melvin Hills. We did, yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, so that, it's really been the experience. And deal by deal, you just 
pick up something else, pick up a little something. And it's whether it's after doing a deal, continue to try and talk a bit with, try and keep a relationship with old ownership, with the brokers, with the legal counsel we've utilized. You can continue just to gain information. So like, I understand the legalities of a lot of things within a deal, but okay, what's the nuance here? What's the nuance there? Like yesterday talking with an attorney on one of the deals we're working on and they provided me with a little insight on something. I was like, okay, I'll file that one away. It's only going to make the next deals easier and, and more efficient. So it's really trying to sop up as much as you can internally from Brian yourself. And as we look at real estate transactions and deals and some of the nuances, but then just external folks as well. So that's been, I'd say the biggest part is just really trying to learn as much as I can and put it right back in, right back to work as quickly as possible. Where do you see the market over the next you know, 12 to 18 months going or where is it at? What, what are you seeing? We're talking multifamily. Whatever you want to tell us, bro. In your world, right? What are you seeing? I know Brian's always asking us that question yeah, from a yeah, from a financing perspective, right? Because again, you handle the financing mm-hmm. on the multifamilies, right? You you manage our fund, you do some lending, so you kind of understand what's happening. You're helping people kind of on the back end get out of debt, so you have a good understanding of all that. What do you see? So not as probably not as directly correlated or related to the multifamily because multifamily, you're you're kind of as you go through the process, there are certain milestones, deadlines, hurdles you have to clear at a certain time. So it's almost, you aren't, you're somewhat stuck in the time frame of that deal because the, usually you put a deal under contract, you have X amount of time for diligence, X amount of time to close and financing just falls in the middle. Now, timing it in the middle and trying to find the most opportunistic time to get a, to get your financing. Yeah, that's, that's a part of it. So it's a little tougher there because again, you kind of have some constraint as to when you can go out and get your financing. But I think over the next 12 to 18 months, it's going to be choppy. And I think it's going to be, how do you find that time? And if you, the more flexibility you have for going out and getting a stabilized mortgage or having to go find money, there's going to be pockets of time and periods of time where it's not going to be ideal. It's going to be more costly. But if you can have that flexibility to find, okay, we'll even look at, I believe it was last week, rates dropped significantly one week. Now, you just have, you can never really project exactly when that's going to happen. But if you have. We got a lower rate on our multifamily deal, right? It's, it's as good as we could have hoped for. Yeah. So the way I look at that is, and look at the, uh, the more on the single family and on the portfolio loan type sizes we go to stabilize is, the more flexibility and liquidity we have or the more optionality we have as a company for whether we take that financing to this bank, that institutional lender, that private lender is that's huge because you know, the pockets of capital are going to be there and they're going to be stronger in certain areas at certain times and just continuing to understand that industry and those markets and, and, accessing those pockets of capital at the right time is going to be key. And then simultaneously, I think there's significant opportunity coming down the pike. Now, what that looks like exactly and when that is, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you and tell you I know because I don't. Nobody does. But I think as long we will have the company is built in a way right now to have to have the greatest successes we can when those opportunities become available. What's your take on all that, BK? Uh, I mean, so the big, big one is 
I think a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there who have some fear right now, but banks are lending money, right? Like on the back end on refi? Yeah, yeah we're still getting ref refinances. Rates are changing a little bit. We're still at 80% LTVs on our refis. Yeah, what rates are you seeing on the refis right now? So it depends on those pockets of capital. I mean, I've in the last week had quotes come in anywhere from the mid sixes to the mid eights. Now, again, it's largely dependent on the source of the capital and the quality of the asset. But that's yeah. what I've been seeing in the yeah. last there, week or two. There's absolutely is, deals to be had, right? It's about getting extremely good with your underwriting really understanding the deal, crunching the numbers, getting in rooms with people that know how to do that, that are providing. I mean, at the, at the Steel City Syndicate a couple of weeks back, I literally provided out the exact document that I used to underwrite every single deal. How many people are going to actually use that from that mastermind? I'm not sure, but like getting really good at the numbers, getting people in your court on your side that, that really know and understand the numbers, that's all you can really do, right? Mm -hmm. But there's deals to be had. Yeah, I sure. think we're going to start hitting now like, like right now, we're just already starting to see numbers like fall, like our offers are starting to get accepted again. Sellers are seeing the holidays coming around. People are starting to realize, okay, rates are a little bit higher. People might, traditional buyers might not be buying as much right now from an investment standpoint. Rates are a little bit higher, but my first loans were all in the sixes. So that's not that much different. We just have to underwrite it and make sure we don't go crazy over on construction. Don't buy a bunch of CapEx stuff, buy stuff that actually is going to cash flow, we might be leaving a few thousand into a deal, which we traditionally didn't like to do. But right now is they're going to cash flow, I think still halfway decent. And we're going to pick up great properties. This is going to be one of the best times to buy, I think, in the next few months. And I think quite frankly, we can, with the correct underwriting, with the correct strategy, with the correct execution, we might not even need to leave those couple thousand in the deal, which that's yeah, what I'm excited for is that I think there's, there's going to be opportunity and we're, we're going to be there ready to make the best of any kind of situation that's presented to us. Where you see yourself in five years? Uh, probably on this seat of the couch answering another question. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't Knowing Brian, we'll have a whole different podcast studio by then. We'll have a new couch at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one's not too bad. But <laughs> no, I, I would say, I mean, I, I don't envision leaving city life. I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the people. I enjoy the company. Um, I, at that point I would expect to be overseeing the city life capital side of the business. There you go. <laughs> Shout out CNX. <laughs> so I, 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 that's where I see myself now, what form or fashion and where this company's progressed. I'll leave that to the visionary to my right. But I think that's that's where I see myself and and look forward sounds to like that. Sounds the, like we got a five year commitment. The challenges and opportunities that come along with it. No comp raises, five <laughs> years. That's what I heard. I heard it <laughs> too. It. Everyone else hear that? <laughs> we'll edit it in. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, I always like to end. I always like to end it right. You know, as we kind of finish up here, give me right. What's the best advice you could offer anybody out there listening right now? I think we touched on it a little bit. I'd, I'd say be yourself. Like, be true to yourself. Be happy. Do what you what makes you happy. And find a career, a personal life, anything that is what you want to do. And end of the day, you're the only one who can truly make yourself happy. But if you, but at the same time, 
there's a lot of things you can do just to make your personal life, your uh, professional life, and then just everything around you better. So it's just do what makes you happy and, and try and do the right thing. Yeah. Be authentic, right? Self-aware of, be genuine, be authentic, be self-aware of, of what's going on in your brain ultimately is chasing your own happiness and stop being around people. You don't, that don't make you happy. Stop doing things that don't make you happy and you'll see success come 10 X, right? Mr. Shout out Grant Cardone, 10 X, right? So cool, man. Appreciate it. Where can we find you? Uh, Leroy's in now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I'd say really the best way to find me is most likely via LinkedIn. I don't have a large social media presence. It's never really been something I've done. Uh, I, that's the one thing I've, okay. Other than understanding where I fall on the entrepreneurial spectrum, when I started here, the other thing that's been a culture shock to me or like a industry shock has really been how big social media is in the real estate industry. And so it's something that I need to improve upon, but you're, you're not going to go out and find a large Instagram presence or anything like that at this point. Um, I would say, uh, look, look at, look for me on LinkedIn Look for me somehow associated with one of Casey or Brian's uh, social media posts and always willing to chat via email, text, whatever, if anyone needs to get a hold of hold of me from a professional perspective. We are actively raising money. So if you're interested in investing with us to make a boatload of cash, reach out. Let's do it. Appreciate having you, brother. Thank you. You know where to find me. Until next time, City Life Uncensored, we appreciate you.